Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We are glad to be back in the studio recording. Uh, it's we, we know it's been a little bit, but um, it turns out running and preparing a convention like Nova Open and planning a wedding at the same time absorbs all of your time. Uh, but very excited to be back in studio and huge shout out to uh, Eleanor uh, Runing, who uh, reached out to us from Sweden to have us bring on the show some guests from overseas so we could hear about an exciting tournament that took place. Um, So I'm joined here um, by Jeff. uh, Hi. Josh Josh and uh, Herman are off this week, but we are are joined here in studio by two amazing guests. So uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, Let's start with uh, Klaas. Hello, hello. I'm Klaus, an old man from Finland who went to Sweden and played a tournament. That is a great claim to fame right there. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Jonni, also from Finland. Not as old as Klaus, but slowly getting there. And also, yeah, went to the same tournament. Yeah, and... And tell us a little bit about um, what was the tournament? How big was it? Um, what's what brought you there? Class. <laughs> oh yeah, it was me. I I, I sent Yoni a message about what was it a month before the tournament or something that Some hey I'm going yeah. to Sweden I'm going to Sweden Do you want to come to a tournament? And he was like, sure, as long as it's cheap. And then I started looking for cheap tickets and stuff like that. And how we got there was, well, first by boat and then by car. <laughs> I, I personally have uh, have been quite a, many times to Sweden to play. So, it, And this was like my first chance to get back after the pandemic. Or, well, during the pandemic, really. Uh, so I was really, really excited about that. That's fantastic. Well, and so, I mean, I know Sweden and Finland border each other, but there's most of my understanding is most people live kind of like around the peripheries on the coast of that. Like how you said you went by boat and and car drive to there and yep. car. Personally, like, I live in the eastern Finland, so I'm I'm 120 kilometers from the Russian border. So first, I had to drive 500 kilometers to the coast. That's about 400 miles for you Americans. And yep. then we took the bo- boat over, and then it was about another 400 miles to drive from Stockholm to Gothenburg. And, and I do appreciate you doing the conversion here, because most people in the United States are like, what, kilometer? What? <laughs> yep. Yes, we are we're sadly backwards in our measurements. Um, or forward. I think it's backwards, Jeff. But... Um, but uh, oh, well, so that's quite that's quite a journey to get there. Um, so I guess that really shows the dedication to getting back into in-person Malifaux. Um, have you played at all in person during the pandemic, or is this kind of the first debut back? 
Well, personally, I've played some. Yoni has probably played more because, like, we were originally from the same meta, but I moved to Eastern Finland because uh, after work, and there really isn't a meta here. And also, I'm not really that into Vassal. I play it every now and again, but I haven't gotten a lot of practice. But we we, we have actually had a few like gaming events during the pandemic because for some reason COVID always turned da- down in numbers during summer. So the summers were open, and we organized an event last summer here close to where I live. Not a tournament or anything, but just a game day we, that we put tables up outside next, on a beach and had a barbecue and some sauna next to it and drank some beers. It was very pleasant and very casual. Yeah, that, that sounds-, sounds a lot like uh, Craig Shipman from Third Floor Wars hosts a uh, week-long uh, gaming event in the woods where they go out and go to camping and set up like barbecues and they'll do some war gaming and some uh, role-playing games and stuff like that out there in the woods for a full week and he invites all the North Carolina meta along with it. Yeah, I've heard about that and it sounds awesome. This was just yeah. a weekend though, but we've had one of these sort of weekend events like every every year except 2020 since i think 2017 or something like that yeah but yeah but uh, this was the first time it was here in eastern finland it's gonna be again this summer and we're really looking forward to it yeah oh well that's fantastic well and is there is that just like a generally open thing? Like, do you want to plug that for other Finnish listeners? Well, it is basically a generally open thing, but they should really tell me that they're if they're planning on coming, so I, that I can book housing and stuff like that. But it's usually just been our our little Turku meta that comes to it. But everyone is welcome to if they want to. Great. This year, actually, one of the Swedes said that they might come, but. Then again, this is one of the guys that said several years that he might come. So, ah, <laughs> yeah, one of those. Well, if you're listening, guy who sometimes says he might come, you should come. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about so like Gothfo Six Resurrected. Presumably, this is the sixth time this event has run. Um, how, you said it's in uh, Gothenburg. Gothenburg, uh, yes. Gothenburg. Um, how how many players have like what's the format this one this year we had a little bit of a weird format do you only want to talk about it or shall i uh i don't know weird well basically two separate tournaments each three rounds like on the like was it friday and saturday yeah yeah friday saturday three rounds on both and then we both tournaments had a prize like the winner got a prize and then the overall best was the got the grand prize of a playmat yes it's a very nice playmat it's my precious (laughs) nice (laughs) what we're all like what's the playmat vendor of choice over there uh, Deep Cut Studios. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I have a ton of their mats. They're real good. So yeah, they indeed. 
We are not sponsored in any way by Deep Cut, though. Deep Cut, if you're listening and you want to sponsor us, we'll, <laughs> we will take that. But uh, but their mats are excellent. So, yeah, good choice. The first uh, day, I think they were 14 players. And uh, then the second day, there were 12. Yes. We had On the first day, we had one guy drop out after round two because he wanted to go play Magic, so... Yeah, his choice, I guess. He was actually, I think, second at like placed second at the point when he jumped out. Yeah, huh. I think I think he was two zero. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Well, so and but so this was like at a at a larger convention. Yes, or event? A, yeah. it was a, at the convention GothCon, which hasn't got anything to do with goths. It's it's goth because it's in Gothenburg. And it's apparently it's apparently Sweden's oldest gaming convention. Oh, cool! That's really exciting. Well, so that I mean, that sounds doubly awesome. That is, you're both back to do some in-person alpha, but also like a convention experience. Which I know Jeff and I had not done a convention the whole pandemic until uh, Captain Con earlier this year, and it was just it was really fun to be back yeah. in hanging out with people yeah same in finland uh our biggest like convention ropecon hasn't been held during the pandemic at all or only online so there usually was a money for tournament there but uh haven't been <laughs> that hasn't happened in a couple of years so it was fun getting to see some new players like not the, not the same three guys I play here. Yeah, exactly. But fingers crossed we will have Ropecon this year. <laughs> yeah, looks like, looks good now. Awesome, awesome. So, do you all do like is traveling to other to other countries a big thing in your area? Is it like mostly just Sweden, Finland? Do you go down yeah. to Denmark or Germany or anything? Well, Sweden is pretty easy to travel from here so that's not that tricky but uh or or estonia uh but the rest are somewhat harder to get to like it's not like you can just jump on a boat and get there yeah yeah makes sense for me it was pretty easy until early this year that I could go and play in Russia, but now it's not really a, yeah. an option anymore. But yeah. like, I, I, I think I'm, I'm the one that's traveled most for, for Malifaux out of our yeah. little group. I've been to Russia, I've been to Sweden, I've been several times to Great Britain. I've actually even played in a, at Adepticon once. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Very cool. What year did you go? 2017. I was best reser that year. Uh, Ninth overall. (laughs) I think I might actually have been there playing in that event. That's cool. You guys might know each other. We might have met in person. (laughs) Um, That's cool. Uh, Awesome. Well, okay, so let's get, let's maybe get into a little bit of like prepping for the tournament, what you were thinking about going into that. You said, before we started the recording, you mentioned that there were six guild players out of like fourteen. It's just like insane. Something like that, yeah. That's yeah, so I, think many. I think there were six six guild players, and 
all, all factions were represented, but uh, well, I can't remember which which other faction had two players of because guild was half, and then the others two were the rest. And there, two and if, two for fourteen, oh, two reserves, right? Yeah, so two reserves and six guild, and then one of each other faction. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well, so yeah, so what? So going into this, uh, let's maybe go with uh, Yoni first. Uh, what what faction did you pick? Why did you pick that faction? Uh, was there anything you like? You're coming back to this from kind of a a hiatus. Was there anything you did to prepare or plan or practice in any way? Uh, well. Let's go with outcasts because uh, that's the faction I'm most comfortable with in second edition. A third, third edition now. Yeah, derp. Uh, I've been playing it for a while now, and I just I have a almost a like few set lists I like to run with some flex room depending on pool and stuff so that that was the easy, the crew building was the easy part and then the didn't really prepare for it didn't get that many games in before at least not not with the tournament pool so just basically just winged it well it sounds like it worked out pretty well um yeah sort of who, um, it sounds to me like Sweden needs to up their game. Both these guys were like, eh, we didn't really prepare for it. And then they came down and brought the Finnish domination. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So who? So you said you've got, um, you've got a couple fixed lists. Actually, we'll come back. We'll come back to lists in a second. Let's, yep. let's, uh, let's hear from class. How did you, what was your preparation, if any, for this? Well, I didn't get that many games of preparation. I played, I think, two or three games total after deciding to go to this tournament. But I did quite a lot of preparation uh, through, like, uh, theory crafting and discussing on on the both the Malifaux World Series uh, Discord and on the the Weird Discord. Mostly with maniacal cackle about about uh, Jan Lotu and things like that. That because he he was a little bit of an unfamiliar master to me before, or but I, I I wanted to get good at him, and then suddenly maniacal cackle comes and says, "This master is so OP," and I was like, "Cool." <laughs> you mean free free movement on a master that gets to. Uh, move himself around and basically do whatever he wants is, is OP? That's... no. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Sorry. What I meant to say was, Yanlo 2 feels a bit weak. I think he needs buffs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is no. spoken like a true tournament player. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two, okay, so what's your goal then? It sounds like one of your goals since this tournament was, like, I want to play a bunch of Yanlo 2 and, like, really, like, Take it through its paces. Were were you yeah, doing like? So. Did you solo Yan Lo two or did you mix it up? Uh, day one on, on the ter- first tournament on day one, I I soloed Yan Lo through that, and then I thought, 
I'm not gonna be so. I don't. I brought another master that I really like to play, but but that none of my friends like to play against. So I thought I'd get a couple of games again in with Kirai too, as well. So I decided that I'd try play a couple of games with her during day two, but it apparently went pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, her uh, swirling spirits is, or uh, whichever, I don't even know what it's called, but where she gets to summon all kinds of little minions over and over. Uh, it's very, very powerful. It's, yes, join <laughs> us. Join us. Yep. No. <laughs> Yonia, it sounded, I heard some like sighing in the background. Yeah. Is this, you've yeah. seen this before? <laughs> yes. Oh, we, we, we played one game with Yoni just, uh, just after. The Von Shield 2 box was released. I played Kirai 2 in his Von Shield 2 on symbols, and he didn't get over over the center line in that game. Oh, yes. wow. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. Uh, okay, cool. So, all right. So, we had... So, Klaus added the goal of Yanlo 2. We had... Uh, Yoni was saying, okay, I'm just... I've got my handful of lists that I run. We're going to yeah, see how like this the- goes. So like to say like the masters I have run before and know how to play. Yeah, who are your who are your go tos? Uh, Von Schiel, one and two, uh, Parker and Vix. The Parker uh, and sorry, Vix. what was the last one? Victorious. Oh, Vix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you like? Actually, I'm curious. Did you? So you said uh, Von Schiel one and two. Yeah. Do you do? Uh, Parker 2 or Vix 2 at all? Uh, no, because I haven't... I don't have the minis and I haven't even proxied them, so I just went with what I had. Gotcha. Yeah, we... Um, I, I think Parker 2 is really good. Uh, Vix yeah. 2... I think the jury's still out. I don't know. They're They're cool, but they're not it's not as killy as you want it to, as you think it's going to be. Cause you're like, yeah, Vix, it's going to kill stuff. And then you're like, Oh, this, this yeah, wasn't, you don't, you, got, you don't have six AP. Yeah. It did not hit as hard as you thought. Um, so yeah. that, that kind of tripped me up in the captain con tournament, but I would definitely say try out Parker too. Yeah. I've been like trying to tr- theorograph something with this card, but uh, yeah, it looks fun gives a bit more mobility cool. with the lasso. And um, also, yeah. And so are there, just, I guess one other kind of like scene setting question, are there, are there any like particular nuances or popular things in either the Finnish or Swedish metas that, you know, might be worth calling out like particular popular factions or masters or tactics? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest, because like since the pandemic hit, I've been like, uh, there's been like one or two events that people have been able to go to, and other than that, there hasn't really been much mixing in uh, between the different groups, uh, the different areas playing. So there's us from the Turku area, and then. In the Tampere area, there's other people that we mix a little bit. Then there's in the Helsinki area, and I haven't heard from anything from them in quite a long while. And 
things like this. So I, I think the Finnish meta is needing to <laughs> re. Uh, how, how should I say? A reform itself at the moment. We don't. We don't really have a coherent, me- cohesive meta, nor a coherent yeah, meta at that. Yeah, just small fragments of groups. Yeah, I well, I think that's the case in like all over. Honestly, like so, I'm, I'm hoping. As I mean, we keep saying like, oh, now that the pandemic's over, like it's not actually over but like as it maybe winds down fingers crossed like hopefully some of that stuff will will come back and uh be able to reform and reforge uh all right so why don't we when we go to a quick break and then when we get back let's talk about day one um we'll go through the rounds talk about how they went uh takeaways etc and uh yeah so listeners stick with us we'll be right back we're gonna hear all about Gothfo 6, day one. Malifo Champions, the US Fotor is in high gear and the standings are now published live at www.usfotor.com. Make sure you register your events and send in your results to us using the form on the website. Do you have what it takes to qualify for the Masters? We will find out at the Nova Open this year. See you there. All right, folks, welcome back. So we are going to talk in this next segment about day one of the tournament, which for this event was actually, like we said in the in the first segment, is two separate three-round tournaments, so a really unique format this time. So we're going to talk about day one, tournament number one, uh, and we're going to run through rounds one through three. So uh, starting with round one, the just for reference of folks uh, listening, the mission for round one was Turf War on Wedge with schemes of detonate charges, catch and release, spread them out, let them bleed, and deathbeds. All right, so uh, let's go uh, Yoni. What? So I assume Von Schill was in the mix for this. What was your, what was your thought process for Von Schill 1 or 2? Uh, I went with Von Schill 2. For this, uh, this uh, I think this one, yeah, this is the one of my set lists. I've run a couple of times. I just wanted to. I've noticed that this list can do most pools decently, at least. So, just went in with this for the first first round to like. Basically, just warm up, and uh, so I just don't run of, run out of time. So I I know how to play this, and that's that's really a good point. And for any listeners out there who are thinking about tournaments, this is really a great strategy. Is like get get your warm up in with a list that you're very familiar with because it helps you play fast. It helps you be feel sort of loose and and able to do it because you have full command and knowledge of the crew. Um, so what, who, what are, what are the models in your fixed list that you like to take yeah, here? So one shell, uh, steam trunk, then, uh, both Eric and Hannah, both Angemen, uh, the hodgepodge emissary, 
then a Frycore engineer and a Frycore librarian. And are there any any models there that you kind of tech in or out depending on the mission, or is it just kind of like now nah, this this crew does everything? Uh, so the engineer and librarian can both can be swapped for a metallurgist if I want the unignorable armor on yep. someone. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, and I think this one has seven stones. Band because of two henchmen and a master, so might might need those stones. Makes sense. Uh, so how did it go? How did this round? Uh, this one I lost. I believe it was four to six. It was against uh, Lucius too. Gotcha. Any notable moments or lessons learned? Um. I uh, noticed that Lucius 2 is really hard to pin down because of the the negatives to hit and uh, the secret passage, like the secret passage, the teleport thingy eh, that he has. And uh, yeah, I couldn't just, I just couldn't stop his schemes. Now, did he use Lucius more as a... Uh... A schemer, or was he because yeah. Lucius too also hits really hard? Uh, he did mostly scheme running with it. I think he killed like I think my librarian died to Lucius, and probably my engineer too. Like those small small guys died. I had the big stuff was left at the end of game still, but I just couldn't couldn't stop him from scoring yeah there you go Roger that uh all right and class we already said at the at the top that it was a yanlo two day um oh yes did you is there one list that you take with yanlo or do you kind of mix no it up? i pretty much mix it up there's a few few models that i basically have in every list but but the rest flexes quite a lot depending on on the schemes and like the models I always have are the two Kumainu and then Manos because Manos is God. He's, Manos he's has good. the hands of fate. <laughs> nerf, nerf Manos. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. And uh, I was also playing against guild here because as previously stated, there were six guild players. Funnily enough, I was also playing against Lucius too. <laughs> But I won. There you go. So how... apparently your opponent didn't use him for scheming enough. No, he 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 tried tried to smack a lot of my models a lot. I had a quite quite a bit of healing in this list. So, but he did kill quite a lot of models, but he didn't kill the right models. Yep. I also That's... I also like really enjoyed, but he he wasn't prepared for the. Manos coming over and shooting, uh, shooting people and spreading staggered. <laughs> he, yeah, he'd always okay. only only really seen Manos as a, someone who comes up and beats you, but I slowed down his entire crew so he, they had problems coming over the center line. 
conditions are a big thing and a lot of the lesser use conditions like uh you'll see in a lot of high level tournament play people really use conditions like staggered and stunned to great effect where uh like your models that could uh, re really rely on those uh the triggers that stun condition really shuts those things down and anything anybody that's used to leaping around and moving around all over the place staggered really stops that so uh, it's pretty good counter tech um, any any notable other notable moments or or lessons? Well, one of I have to say that I learned one lesson in this uh, first game that would serve me well through all the other games, because Jan Lo Two is a giant Rube Goldberg machine. He can do so many things that end up bringing you nowhere. So the situation was was as follows. I had detonate pick detonate charges because it's a really easy scheme usually for for uh, Yan Lo Chu to do. And I was planning how I'll move the, my combine over here and then I'm going to use uh, Wary Road to, place, to get uh, Yan Lo into place and then I'm going to obey his guy and then he's going to walk into my scheme markers. And then I thought about it for a while, and then, well, I'll just walk over here, and then I'll place a scheme, and then I'll wear a road, and then that's the two schemes I need. I don't have to obey him to walk into any scheme marker field. <laughs> yeah, that's much easier to do unopposed things. Yeah. Yeah. If you, like, I, I have to say, like, the big, big thing to learn here, I'd say, is that if you don't need to flip cards, don't. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's, I mean, having like a weary road is such a good ability. And I know, um, uh, Yoni, you took that on the uh, the hodgepodge emissary, which yeah. I'm a big fan of. Like when detonate is in the, <clears throat> when detonate is in the pool, that's, it's great because one model can just do detonate as long yeah. as you wait a while. Uh, yeah. But on a master, it's even better. Yeah, I didn't take detonate. I use the emissary for deathbeds. I put down mines and scheme markers and kill stuff. Yeah, makes sense. All right, well, let's uh, let's jump to round two. So round two of day one is a uh, symbols of authority round on standard. And the scheme pool was deathbeds, research mission, spread them out, bait and switch, and assassinate. So uh, why don't we start with uh, class on this one. Um, John Lotu again. Uh, what did you change up for this mission? Well, I was facing Mei Feng in this. And one thing I know about Mei Feng is that she loves jumping all around the place. So I came to the conclusion, she also puts out a lot of scrap markers. And well, Yanlo too has the ability to, at the end of his activation, remove two markers to draw two cards. I came to the conclusion that this is not enough marker removal. So I decided to take in Anna Lovelace to have the placing aura and also an additional way to remove a scrap marker and to draw a card. And also, he ended up playing Mei Feng 2. And Mayfeng 2 likes targeting her own models, so the hostile work environment will work wonders. 
I also took in Toshiro the Daimyo and a restless spirit to summon some Ashigaru to protect my my symbols. Which worked quite well, I'd say. He, he managed to get two symbols off me, I think. If I remember correctly. Yeah, Anna is a huge pain in the butt for anybody playing against her. The uh, hostile work environment is incredibly good. Yep. Yeah, and the gravity well. I mean, just the two of those together on one model, it, like, Anna is, yeah, I'd definitely say one of the number one tech models in the Reser faction, because you can do, it can shut down so many things. Oh, yes, it like, is wonderful. Like I, I often in Outcast, I will take Eric just for the gravity well ability. Yeah, uh, like it's such a strong counter to a lot of game plans. Yep. Of course, Mayfeng has access to Sparks, which also has the hostile work environment. So it it becomes a problem because Yanlo too wants to be able to target the Kamainu he, that is carrying the string for his balloon. Hmm. So he, he, I needed to kill him fast. Once one there one thing happened in the game that was a little bit uh, unfortunate, but uh, because a lot of cards had been flipped, we couldn't really take it back. My opponent forgot that Neil Henry wasn't a construct, so he charged Neil Henry with sparks to try and heal him and did damage instead. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. yeah. This led to Neil Henry dying, and well, to be honest, he would probably have died anyway. But I got an extra attack on Sparks that ended up missing, but still. So it sounds so. Uh, was that a, a win again for this one? Oh yes, I I, I won all yep. my games. Uh, spoilers, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so humble, so so humble. Yep, yep. All right, so uh, well, it, it is so you? hard. It is so hard to be this. Good and be this humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see. I see the uh, the problems that you have been blessed with in life, sir. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, Yoni, how about you? Yeah, I was against uh, Euripides this round. I hit the only never born, never born player, and I decided to go with uh, Shield One for symbols, mostly because of the pull trigger on his melee. I can just throw his symbol runner into my crew, basically. If I need if need be. Nice. And does the rest of your crew typically stay the same? Uh, uh, for Yeah, mostly. Uh, this one was Shill, Steam Trunk, Eric, Hannah, the Engineer, and then a Frycorman a prospector and a dragon trooper, the flamethrower, mm, mm-hmm. because of uh, I wanted to get rid of the ice pillars. And, yeah, uh, I'm, do... I'm guessing since I played Neverborn, he probably had the damned as his uh, symbols runner, and he was yes. putting ice pillars all around his symbols to try to prevent you from picking it up. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah well, typical year buddies. There weren't many that that many ice pillars for some reason. I don't remember if it was just bad flips or I think he was a bit boxed in with his deployment, so he had to spend some activations to untangle himself. 
Yeah, that's always a problem. Uh, those big bases, that whole crew, uh, really has movement problems. If you, uh, I don't know what was the was it corner? What was the uh, standard? standard? But there were lot, there were lots of like uh, houses and uh, crates strewn around. So, as there should be, all you tos out there. Yeah. And and also probably one of the reasons why those guild players didn't do so well because you're supposed to play with lots of scatter terrain. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and how how did you find the the flamethrower? Uh, pretty useful with the uh, bonus action shockwave to remove markers or conditions if need be pretty useful and now with five movements instead of four so you can actually just get somewhere if needed yeah i'm very excited to see more of the dragon trooper in play I, i've always loved the model and always thought it was like one cost too much and like just a tad slow but now with the errata changes i think it's gonna yeah. see a lot more play yeah but they he it got Nerf pretty hard coming into third edition. Yeah, it's not Flum and Perfer anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a flamethrower. Just a flamethrower. Uh, let's. You can see. no longer verf the Flum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I this round went to me five three. Nice. All right. So. Um... Oh, I forgot to say my my game's result was eight to three for me. Nice, big win. Okay. Uh, all right, and then round three. Uh, all right, so round three. Uh, so last game of the mini tournament of day one. So uh, was break the line on flank, and then uh, it was detonate charges, vendetta, bait and switch, claim jump, and hidden martyrs. Um. So. Uh, Yoni, why don't we go with you first? Um, so going into this, you're you're one and one, so that's, you're probably yep. like mid, like middle of the the pack there. How how what which version of Von Schill did you choose, and and why for this one? I chose Parker for this. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, because of lots of oh, well, lots of interacting with yep. the break line, which Parker can get pretty easily just run run things up to them and then parker shoots stuff and interact makes them interact, the free but... interact yeah yeah and uh, flank deployment so and uh i've noticed that a lot of players tend to underestimate how far i can actually kill stuff from with the run and gun because of like seventeen inch threat range for three attacks. It's pretty far. So do you end up having Parker actually doing a lot of killing? Uh Parker and Mad Dog. Yeah. And the rest are basically just uh running running schemes or doing like killing the small stuff, running their schemes. That makes sense. Yep. I do love that draw their attention ability. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's really useful. If I if there's if I can't uh, get strategy markers from it, I can just 
make someone drop the skin marker, which they, they can eat up for life of crime to give fast. Nice, nice. So yeah, so that went. It sounds like that went pretty well. Um, yeah, I think it was six to two. And what uh, what faction are you playing against? Uh, Bayou. Uh, Bayou. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the his list was slightly to my limited experiences of Matsaket bit, bit, bit weird. He had two war picks. Oh, that's with, weird. Yeah, with uh, I think the is it inferiority inferiority complex the upgrade. Okay. I think so. <laughs> yeah. They are pretty fast, but then they died. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, I don't. That's. I understand why you take Maw, and if you wanted to play with War Pigs, I don't know why you wouldn't take Ulix, uh, and then you have War Pigs to your card's delight. Yeah. So th that was an interesting decision on your opponent's part. Yeah. And I think also he lost one of his Rooster Riders turn one. Oof, that's rough. To, to your to your running gunfire. Yeah, to Mad Dog. Yeah. He ran it ran it to one corner with uh, the breaker line marker, which was on the same side that Mad Dog was, and Mad Dog had the servant of dark prowess, so he he was already up six inches. And then I don't think my prospector dropped a ski marker for him for life of crime, so he could just charge and gun down the chicken. And this is a lesson to everybody out there. Uh, when you're playing against Outcast, Mad Dog is very slow for a reason. If you run your guys towards him, they're probably going to die. Yeah. Unless you run really far towards them and engage him, and then he's a sad guy. Yes. Yeah, he's got that awesome cigar that he puts out in people's eyes. Come on. Yeah, that's range zero. So just be yeah. an inch from him and be like, spend an action to walk to me and try yeah. to hit me and try to hit your trigger and try like, yeah, that's, that's the anti-attack. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. So then, uh, so class, uh, so spoiler alert, you, you won this one, uh, but how did no. you do it? <laughs> yeah, I won this, but only barely. I was playing against the other Rezzer player who was play playing Kirai 1. And the terrain was really unfavorable for me. I, I was actually considering putting Kirai in myself, but I knew this guy had been playing Kirai all day, so I just felt like, like going into a Kirai mirror would have been boring. But uh, the terrain in question was that there was... This was actually the table that I brought to the tournament. Oh, so you, uh, you brought this on yourself. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I did. There was quite a lot of cover, and uh, also there's a, there was a river that ran through the middle of the table, which because it's my table, had been defined as severe concealing because it's a Finnish river, so there's a lot of fog on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then there, 
but and the problem of course is that I'm Jan Low, I want to shoot and the only thing I ignore is friendly fire. Of course, my my uh, obey would ignore concealment if I uh, target a retainer with a uh, reliquary upgrade. But it was very very challenging to start with. But I persevered and uh, had a lot of my models killed. But I managed to burn alive his uh, one of his martyrs, so that uh, I he didn't give up a point for that. I managed. We both scored full on strategy because uh, he started on from. From me, the left side of the board, and I started from the right side of the board, and I went for the the break the line mark- markers on the left side of the board, while he went for the ones on the right side of the board. So we basically did a swap over, and at the end, he couldn't he couldn't get his models close enough to me to actually do anything, while I had basically infinite number of ways to push the marker because of Yanlo mm-hmm. too. Yep, and. Uh, I managed to bait him into on the last turn, killing my martyr, t- also so that I actually I managed to win it by one point. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was that was very close then. You needed him to kill one of your martyrs. Yeah, uh, I, I I I thought I had managed to kill both his martyrs in one turn earlier, so that he wouldn't score it. But they were his martyrs were different models than I had originally thought. So he managed to bring his uh, his martyr into engagement with Manos on the last turn. So I so he scored scored from that. That makes and sense. Th- this is a shout out to Weird. Uh, I love hidden martyrs because it, it provides a lot of interesting uh, dynamics in the game. Like I can't tell you how many games where I've either been like, I don't want to kill anybody else here just in case I've already secured the win. I'm not going to risk this. Or I've been on the opposite side of that of like, I need to somehow figure out how to make this guy kill one of my guys. Like I'm going to go like, do I need to run him forward? No, that's a little too obvious. Like, but he, he needs to kill him somehow. And uh, I really like hidden martyrs and I think it's a big balancing factor to the game. So kudos to weird for keeping that around. My favorite there is like using uh, if an enemy has abilities that just passively do damage to you. Like I, like Black Blood is a great one, or um, like things that have auras of hazardous, like where you can effectively kill your own model off the ability of the enemy. And, and that shouldn't work on or, on hazardous auras though, because hazardous is always neutral. If it's an aura, of, if it's an ability, that yeah, but the aura, can... the hazardous is always neutral. This is this is actually something that I've been thinking about quite a lot because I like using Yakuna Ubume, and her, she has the drowning aura, uh, and hmm. basically it's her ability that kills. But then again, hazardous. The hazardous rule says that if so, uh, that things that die to hazardous are always neutral. So, well, there's other. <clears throat> I mean, it, the class of like things that do stuff like you could do it on things that explode. So, like explosive yeah. demise, uh, you could actually you could kill an enemy model, take them with you, 
and have them kill you on the explosion and then score hidden martyrs. Uh, or actually, no, would it? Yeah, yeah, because it still explodes on a demise. Yeah. Or like entropy on outcast model, like anything that's like ping damage, like all those things. So it's it's a good secret tech for martyrs if no one's killing your martyr. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so okay, cool. So, so day one, uh, did this put you in first then, class? Yes, uh, I was the only one who was three and zero. I think at nice. on day one. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, uh, it was it was nice, and it was a nice surprise. I I didn't expect it because I have haven't been able to play so much in such a long time. But I guess it's just. Jan Low 2 needs more buffs, clearly. That that, that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, I mean, you went into this wanting to really solo Jan Low 2 and get a feel for it. Did you feel like you achieved that goal? Yes, I, I think I very much achieved that in the, on day one. And I got three, three good games in. It was... There were very interesting games, and I, I learned new aspects of the master in every every game. Like, for example, I, like when I had played before the tournament, I hadn't actually realized that all the ancestors, except for Kenshiro, are also retainers. So, if you give a one of your ancestors a uh, reliquary somehow, you can gain the bonus, uh, gain the suit for the obey and ignore concealing when obeying that model. That ended up being useful on day two at one point. But it, 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 a lot of new doors opened for me in, in playing Jan Lo too. But now I, when they nerf him hard, <laughs> the question is how many of those are going to be useful lessons anymore? <laughs> well, you're, you've Probably still got a good like year, so <laughs> enjoy it while you got it. Uh, how about you, uh, Ioni? You you went into this kind of like, hey, I'm just I'm here to play Malfo. I have my lists. We're gonna see how this goes and kind of wing it. Um, yeah. How how did that go? Uh, pretty well. Uh, it's fun seeing like playing against someone you haven't played before. Like see how how they play, even if you played against the same master. Like how they build their list, how they play the master, and uh, yeah, all the people were really really great. Like and uh, yeah. One thing I have to say though is that I came to the tournament. Thinking, hey, I'm gonna see a lot of new, play against a lot of new masters because, as I haven't played in a while and and uh, I haven't even played more than once against explorers, this is gonna be awesome. I had played one match against Lucius two before this, so I get Lucius two in the first round. Mayfeng two was is a new master I hadn't played against her, but then I get Kirai one, which I've been playing like for years. So I, I didn't yeah. get really during day one get this. New, uh, facing new masters kick that I was hoping for. Yeah, same. I haven't played against explorers at all. And I managed managed to dodge the only explorer <laughs> player. And uh, yeah, we have a guild player in our meta, so those are pretty well 
explored already. So, like Lucius 2 and stuff for day 2. I played three ma three matches against Guild. And Euripides, Euripides was new. I haven't played against him at all. And I think I've played one game against Mozaket, but it was like GG0. Yeah. That's, honestly, I'm very surprised that there were there's only one Explorers player. Like when we when Jeff and I went to Captain Con, it was probably like twenty. It was definitely overrepresented with Explorers. Like a lot of people were playing. Yeah. Yeah, but keep in mind between then and now, the uh, Errata came back. Oh, true. They, they got, did. They nerfed Ivan a lot. That's true. Oh, they got grounded into the dust. Um, yeah, that's a good unfortunately. Point. A good point. I, I I may have missed this. Uh, what place did the Explorer Society player come in? Uh, he won, was went two and one on both days. Okay, so not bad. So yeah. Decent showing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think he he played mostly Jedza two. Okay, Jedza two is very strong. Good choice. Cool. I faced him um, in the final on day three, but we'll get on day two, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> all right. Um, so, well, that's actually Spoiler, great... you won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, no spoilers. No. Uh, cool. Well, that's actually a great segue to us taking another quick break, and we'll come back for day two uh, of the Gothburg 6 Resurrected. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Gothbo 6, sir. Hello. Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage. Or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. All right, welcome back, folks. We are now going to talk about the second tournament. Uh, so day two, this is its own separate three-round tournament. Uh, leaving the first day, uh, we had class in first. Uh, and so this was a reset on day two, but we will we'll see how it shakes out. So um, any before we start, any did either of you change anything up for day two? In terms of your plan or like what you wanted to achieve on day two? Well, I decided that I'd won day one, so I don't need to take this this uh, day two so seriously. So I thought I'd just I'd just play what I wanted to play and not not focus on playing OP Yan Lo two all the time. Though I did in the last game. Spoiler alert. So I'm curious, do you guys have anything over there? If we, uh, in the States, we tried to get people to diversify and get away from only playing the best masters. And we uh, actually, Travis uh, Wayforth uh, from our meta here that has since stopped playing, uh, instituted the Iron Scorpius, where you get a separate award if you play a different master for each round. Do you guys have anything like that over there? I don't know if the Swedes have it, but I think they do. 
they also have uh, at least in some tournaments I've been the the guy who plays all games with the same master gets something uh, but uh, and when I was in Poland they they had iron scorpions there but I said there has I haven't really played a, any tournaments since the start of the pandemic so yeah it's so been a while. Can't, can't say can't say that much but like I personally do like trying to play a different master every every round sometimes but for example now I uh, I only had two mas- or well I had three masters with me in my case because uh, it's a long trip <laughs> so I can't that just is, take everything that is a downside uh I've noticed that when I travel for tournaments it's I usually pick uh three or four masters and then their crew and that's all that gets brought with me because uh, airplanes and cars have limited space to them. All right. Well, uh, going into day one, uh, round one was, or sorry, day two, round one was uh, turf war with a standard deployment, uh, and the schemes were breakthrough, hidden martyrs, deathbeds, let them bleed, and outflank. Uh, and I guess we'll start. You know, uh, we've been starting with uh, Yoni a lot. Let's go with Claus starting with this one. All right, I will start. And in round one, I was facing the same same guy that I played against in the second round of day one, which it was okay because he was a really, really nice guy. And uh, he was playing Ten Thunders. And I decided I wanted to play something fun. So I took a crew that I would never in- normally take into Turf War, which was... Uh, Kirai 2 because your thi- all your things die and then you, they turn all the markers and everybody and then you just have to cry when your opponent wins but he took Lucas McCabe versus me so I was a little bit worried about all that hypermobility that his crew has but I found a really good solution to this problem you kill everything <laughs> it usually works. Yeah, dead is the best debuff you can give people. Oh yes, and it, and uh, this uh, this game, we we almost ran into time here, but we did get uh, at the end of uh, of turn four. He had a uh, a rough rider and dismounted McCabe left, and. The only real question at that point was, would he score a second point for uh, spread them out or not? So we, what we did was we flipped initiative, and because I had the red joker in hand, I won that initiative flip so I could charge his McCabe so he couldn't get, a, get away at that point to, to score the point, and that was basically when we finished the game. I'm curious, because you were playing Karai 2 at... Uh... The point in the game when you had the most models on the board, how many models did you have? I think I had 12 oh, at one point. Bad. Yeah. But I started with seven. Yeah, that's a significant amount of uh, growing of a list there. And I think yeah. that was turn two. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes, but... As you can probably hear from the sighing that Yonni is making, in my friends back home don't like it when I play Kirai too. <laughs> so 
So that's why I, I wanted think... to take it out now <laughs> when I could, I could at the tournament. Anybody... They can't run away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't think anybody likes it when anybody plays Karai 2. Not even the Karai 2 players. I, I think Josh likes Kirai too. Yes, he does. He's uh, not here to, to defend himself, but I... I'm in the same position that uh, that Yoni is in. Uh, it's Kirai two is a little oppressive at times. I, I think All it's right, fu- uh, funny about Kirai two that when uh, 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 shout out to steam powered scoundrels that have been making these Excel things based on the Malifaux World Series. There was a statistic there about Rezzer title wins. And when you removed Kirai 2 from the equation, the win percentage actually went up. So Kirai 2 isn't doing that well, but still winning, but not that well. So without Kirai 2, I think it was like a 73% win rate on Rezzer titles or something like that. Well, keep in mind, uh, and uh, this is true with all statistics, but uh, if you get one player that's just really bad with Karai 2 and they play a whole bunch of games, it really yeah. skews things. Of course, of course. But but they are interesting statistics, I think. They are. And, and uh, things like that do help. Uh, I don't know how much uh, weird factors into these things because uh, Explorers got a very large uh, beating in the last frequently asked questions when they weren't doing stellar in the tournament reports originally. So uh, th- seeing that, st- that data does help to do some uh, analytical background to things. Uh, so right. how about you, Joni? Uh, this was a, another Shield 2 game with the same list from game 1 except with the engineer swapped out for a metallurgist I was because I was playing against uh, Perdita 1 and uh, Nino is annoying with the uh, expert marksman upgrade so Irreducible armor is useful, especially with Eric. Um, yeah. Anything notable that stood out uh, with uh, Perdita, like the, that crew, or anything special that you had to adjust in your schemes? Mm, not really. There was some. Well, I think it was like turn four. My librarian really wanted Francisco dead. He was at, I think, three health remaining. And I just... Random ancient words, maybe do some cheap damage. Uh, hit him, tie him, and uh, flip four kings to damage. Oh, alright. Well, that's a, that's a thing that could happen. Yeah. Improbable cut, but you know, he pulled it off. That's, yeah. that's pretty good. And um, uh, meanwhile, Eric and a monster hunter had slap fight, which was oh, actually actually a good thing because the monster hunter was a martyr's target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta love it when you luck into that when they yeah. they think you're gonna die and then you just like whiff, but it works for yeah, you. Yeah, like two. I think two turns of just trying to hit each other and both whiffing. Uh, or something like that. 
this is actually one of those interesting things of uh, like Perdita against Von Schill. If I were the guild player, I would have immediately, and maybe they weren't uh, they weren't familiar with Perdita too, but I would have immediately audibled and decided to go with Perdita too because uh, my guns do not beat your armor and guns. Like that's and healing. That, that's not how things work very well. So yeah, uh, it, it was interesting, and I don't know the the player, but uh, that was one of the, those things that I probably would have instead of me bringing my guns against your armor and guns, I would be bringing my guns and my whole army of guys that I can summon with it, and probably would have got a lot better for him. Yeah, but. maybe. And Yoni, you've and... played against Perdita one quite a lot, haven't you? Yes, <laughs> I have. That so helps too. I knew that I was familiar with the cut them down on Predator, the plus 50 if you're on full health. So I used Hannah's, uh, what's the ability called? Siphon. So, yeah, the ping, Were ping, you yeah, ping, ping damage, damage for a suit. Yeah. yeah, I used that a lot to ping one damage to everyone so that she wouldn't get the positives on damage. That is some good tech right there. Siphon power, that's what it is. Yeah, saying. siphon yeah. power. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a clever meta technique. And uh Volun Shield 2 is pretty good against the Finesse. Because of the because of the Soldner Capitan. You just engage Francisco and then the rest of your guys can hit him for free without any negatives. Yep. That is some good info right there uh, for people out there wanting to jump into some shill action. Yeah, two-inch reach, and you ignore all friendly fire core, ignore all negatives to duels. And because I have a very short memory span, what was the uh, end result of this game? Uh, I think it was something like 6-3, six, 6-2, six, something like that. Makes Obviously, sense. with you winning, yes. Um, and I will. I'll briefly do a shout out for um, Scheme Powered Scoundrels. The episodes uh, that Klaus mentioned. That's episodes forty-seven and forty-eight. If you're curious um, to dig into some of the stats, they did two whole episodes about analyzing the uh, Malfa World Series results. So if you're a stats person. Give those a listen. Head over to Scheme Powered Scoundrels uh, on their Facebook page. And, and let them know that you like us better. Yeah, that too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Steamer for life. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. It's only class disappears from the podcast. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Okay, uh, so moving into round two, uh, we had Symbols of Authority, uh, standard deployment, with deathbeds, research missions, no. spread them out, bait and switch, and assassinate. Uh, that, was that was day one. Oops. I, I moved it in the dock, sorry. You are, are a horrible person, why would you do that? <laughs> sorry, day two, round two. Uh, forget everything that I just said, I may actually edit it, but I may not because I'm lazy. Um, day two, round two, was corrupted ley lines with flank deployment. Uh, the schemes were Claim Jump, Vendetta, Spread Them Out, Bait and Switch, and Catch and Release. So let's continue on with this uh, class train and can, uh, start off with that. Right, so in this is an, uh, my second game that I played Kirai 2 in, because I'm just a bad person. And uh, 
I faced uh, the Bayou player, who was, again, playing Machucket with two Warpigs and stuff. <laughs> Maybe that was his only crew that he had. I, I think he really that was the only crew he brought for that. He was he was testing it out because I think he's one of the guys who's going to Six Nations for Sweden. Mm. So gotcha. he, he, he was practicing, practicing uh, Machucket there. But this game... Well, I, I won the game. I can't remember what the actual score was. I think it was something like 8-3 to three or something like that. Because uh, he did a slight tactical error on the first first turn, bringing one of his war pigs so that I could actually see it. So I just used Yakuna Ubume to lure it into my crew and used the fancy towards against rules so that he didn't actually get into base contact because the Warpig has a zero-inch range, while I could smack it as much as I wanted with in my Hazardous Aura. And, uh, well, it, the game just spiraled for him, basically, after that. Things just started dying off, left, right, and center. Uh, Ikirio killed a lot of stuff. Actually, I didn't win this... Uh, Eight to eight to three. It was something like seven to to three or something like that because I couldn't get the first martyr point because he couldn't kill Ikirio. So so Klaus obviously won like forty to to like negative three. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm noticing a, a trend with this uh, this uh, Ma Tucket player that's taking these two war pigs. And it seems like in the first turn or early turns he get something just a little bit too close. And in the first game uh, against Yoni, it was uh, the Rooster Rider just got a little bit too close and Mad Dog blasted it off the board. And this time it was a War Pig that got lured in. And uh, like this, but that's why we play these games, get a little bit better and learn positioning a little bit better of these crews. Yeah, we, ha we had a very, very large discussion or uh, quite a long discussion with him after this game about if your, his opponent declares Kirai, what could he do? What should he declare into Rezzers if, with Bayou? If if there is a, if Ikurio is breathing down his throat, what can he do to uh, change that? And I, I just told him, him if if you ever see a, a Rezzer player just declares Raida and push Ikurio back into back into your own, his own master and see how he likes it. <laughs> that is true because all of the things that uh, like manipulative and stuff like that uh, do not work against friendly models. So yep. uh, using your own models against you when you're using a crew that's very manipulative is always fun. And right, terrifying uh, and yep, things. Terrifying all those defensive techs. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Yoni, how did your round two go? Uh... I won this uh, six to four. I played Vix this round against uh, Sonia two. So lots of pyres and burning going on. Sounds like a very hot time. <laughs> yeah, girl on girl action. Yeah, i i brought a uh, i brought uh, Johan for this for the condition removal, which proved useful. 
because I think at one point one of the Vicks had I think seven or eight burning on it on her, and then Johan shouted at her and it went away. By the way, that's always that has always not settled well with me of the whole like, hey, you're on fire, stop being on fire. Oh, okay, good, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thanks. I didn't realize I was on fire. <laughs> oh, now that you've told me, I'll just stop burning now. It's okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I really like Vix into ley lines because of how fast the whole crew is. And uh, you can just give, a, give the stone to a Ronin and she'll just run 15 to the other. Like, so when you're using your Vix, are you uh, particularly Vix one? Are you using more of a slingshot method where you throw them up the board and uh, try to kill a whole bunch of things, or are you more uh, playing cagey and shooting at people? Because I know they can do both. Uh, this uh, I usually use Vix as melee beaters, but I have yet yeah, I have shot people with them as well if I can't reach. Usually, if I have to double walk charge, I, then I'll just shoot instead and prep for next turn. Makes sense. And uh, this game, I got to do a really nice, basically a rubber band thing with Vix. Uh, activate the other, pull one out of a pyre, <laughs> and then walk charge Sonia, hit her twice hard, and then act, then he goes, I think, with Sonia, pushes, pushes my Vic backwards a bit, and then throws a thrall at him, at her, and then get some smacks, and then activate the other Vic, pull the aggressive one back to my crew and then shoots shoots on you twice i think that was those activations that put her down to one health when and then her pale rider came up and uh, dragged her to back to safety that's interesting um so I haven't played a vast of, or a vast amount of guild players because guild's not all that. Uh, maybe they'll be, become more popular, but um, they're not all that popular uh, in the last uh, edition and into early of this edition. But what I've seen a lot is when you catapult or send somebody into melee with Sonya Crid, uh, what they'll you typically do is they'll use the Runic Blade uh, combined with Drain Magic to. Uh, basically make your hand disappear while they get to sculpt their hand because it's a they your target has to discard the card while you draw a card and they'll use the soul stones for that and then they just have a field day for the rest of the turn because they have all high cards and you have no cards so uh it's interesting that he chose to pull sonya out instead of uh going with that tactic uh this was sonya too oh sonya too yeah uh that's uh, and i know nothing about sonya too so i have no comments about this say i didn't didn't uh, have uh, i haven't played against sonia that much one or two and this was the first against two so 
Oh, yeah, um, apparently you did a great job because she does not look like she even has a melee attack. In no, she doesn't. Yeah, so, she's only, yeah. yeah. Uh, only she has the range. burn them out, which is not a projectile. Yep, but then you're only giving them burning and Johan's just there to be like, stop burning! Yeah, this was like, a, she just pushed the wick out of her face and then uh, uh, I think into a pyre. And then she, uh, uh, yeah. And then okay. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually just looking over Sonya Two's card because I haven't really looked at it. Yeah. And, uh, he going against people that are going to be in your face. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know that I would would have done Sonya Two, but I wasn't there, and uh, you know, armchair quarterbacking yeah. and, or hindsight <laughs> is better than foresight. So. Yeah. Uh, but looking in, so you won that game. Yeah, uh, and I, then, and then that, that, that was I think. Well, I mean, the, the like pyre markers though can can be an okay tech against melee crews. Like if yeah. you because if they are severe, you know where they're going to be, they're going to be next to your guys. So if you yeah. fill that with pyres, it's like well, they're going to have a lot of burning. Yeah. The problem with go yeah. ahead, sorry, uh, okay. sorry, Yoni, go ahead. Yeah, and in this game, I borrowed classes uh, Kenshiro. With his, uh, what's the aura called? Uh, fleet of foot. Instead of, if you push near her, near him, you get to move instead. So you can charge around around the pyres. <laughs> because yeah, but the big problem with pyre markers is uh, if they were uh, damage one and burning one, that would make the the tactic really good. But because they're only burning one. You can do as like you can just stack burning all day long on your person, like on a Vic, get up to burning eight or nine, and then at the end of the turn, just be like, and you're not burning anymore. And they did absolutely nothing that turn. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, Sonia too also makes them severe, so that slows Helps down, slow people down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Karis definitely has the best of the burning with making it injured as well. Oh, yes, that is. Mm. But Definitely. yeah, I, I agree. The only burning is yeah, it's situational. Like if you don't have condition removal, like good night. Like you could take yeah. tons of damage end of turn. But it yeah, it's it's a little hit or miss. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So look, looking, I haven't looked at her all that much. She's more of a support master. She pushes her guys around and makes them attack. So yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever. It's a different flavor for for Sonya. So. Uh, looking at round three, uh, we're going to stick with uh, Yoni here, but uh, okay. the strats were symbols of authority and the uh, deployment was wedge. And the schemes were let them bleed, vendetta, research mission, assassinate, and detonate charges. So uh, sticking with Yoni, how did this uh, last round go? Uh, I won this four to three. Who'd you play? Uh, shield 2 again. Mm, it, good old Shell. Yeah, into Nelly. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, with symbols of it, got another guild player coming at you. Yeah. Uh, anything surprising uh, other than the typical uh, running their uh, false witnesses in and tying people, trying to tie people up and then watching uh, the false witnesses die? His false witness died on the second activation of the game. Yep. How did how did that happen? Uh, his 
Pale Rider activated, uh, Ride With Me did forward, and then walked back, back to the bubble. Uh, Shield activated, m motivated Eric to give himself boots. Then he leaped, uh, bulldozed with the trigger to hit, smacked the false witness, smacked again, he died. And then he he threw the shockwave into his bubble. Well, that uh, that probably set the tone for that game. <laughs> Dang, uh, <coughs> that's a that's a strong second activation. Yeah. Yeah, and the problem. Uh, sorry, go ahead. If I just may say something, because I know Eleanor will be very disappointed if I don't say this. Nelly, disgusting. Thank yes. You. <laughs> Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, it was a great TED talk. And the big problem with uh, with Nelly is, uh, particularly Nelly versus Von Schill, is Nelly likes getting things and getting them tied up to where you can't really do much uh, when you get all tied up in in her little bubble of uh, like you're going to be on negatives to hit and just sit there and do nothing all the time. Mm -hmm. The problem is Von Schill doesn't really care about that. He just leaps out of it and says, "All right, now you're all going to die." So uh, yeah, or, it's a problem. Or you just throw von Schill at the bubble, and then everything else shoots into it. Or that. So uh, that's a, a big. You basically ran into a big wall of counterattack on that one. So for the <laughs> Nelly player, uh, sorry, man. <laughs> mm. It was like pretty tricky because I needed to. I sent Eric to defend one flank against uh, Fiona and the Pale Rider, which he did for a couple of turns. Managed to kill neither. <laughs> Not, uh, but until Hannah came around and got rid of uh, Fiona. How many guild lawyers did he bring onto the table? Lawyers... None. Oh. Interesting. Ooh, surprising. Uh, yeah. All right. He so had that... he had a guild steward, which I think died to burning from the flamethrower of the dragon trooper. <laughs> uh, what did did uh? I... The only reason that I remember to bring a guild steward is because he's basically a time bomb. Uh, did his blowing up hurt anybody? Yeah. I, I brought the Drawhand Trooper again because of I remember that Nelly likes to hand out Distracted. Mm -hmm. So I could just get rid of it. Remove it. Yep. Good call. Alright, so uh, that ended your, your day. Uh, and where did you uh, position in, on day two? I was second. All right, number two. Nice, congrats. And uh, now for the big surprise. Uh, we've been talking this whole time about how uh, Klaus has been dominating. And he lost this round. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Klaus, how did your round go? Well, this is this was one of those rounds where uh, I, I realized I had won the last five games. And like the playing mat was in reach. So I decided that I'm going to actually take this game seriously. Also, I was facing the Explorer player. 
Well, hold on. Before you continue, you played Karai 2 in both of the games, and now you decided to take this one seriously? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Karai 2, 2 is just for fun. Yanlo 2 is where the real power holds. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, apparently this guy was one of the better better Danish players, and and I saw that in his game. It, the, the cards just were really against him in this game. We had, we had this. And he, he was playing explorers. What was he actually playing? He was playing yet Jedza two. Jedza two. Yeah, and like I was a little bit worried because lots of irreducible is never fun. So, uh, but uh, we had this really really nice board. Uh, it had several these little ice pillars that were about twenty millimeters around, and they were ruled to be. Uh, Hazardous damage one destructible, and I think like destructible hazardous terrain is such a cool and novel concept in itself. And also, I like I love this uh, hazardous terrain in general because it's fun to play around. So I was really well, yeah, scared to start when you're playing an obey master with hazardous terrain. Like charge, do an attack, take two damage for it, and you're hurting your like that's a pretty good combo. <laughs> Yeah, of course, but I don't want to charge with <laughs> charge anything thing close to Jensa Two. She'll just kill everything. But that didn't end up happening. Uh, said uh, cards were not in my opponent's favor. I mean, I I drew really bad cards into hand generally. I I start, played uh, pretty much the same the same list as I had played in uh, the previous symbols game. Except I didn't take Anna this time. I took Yin instead, and a, and a few more stones. So first, during the first two turns, I couldn't draw a twelve after stoning and using Yanlo's uh, deck sculpting abilities. I couldn't find a twelve to summon any Ashigaru. So it was like turn three when I was able to summon my first Ashigaru in the game, but. Uh, a lot of stuff had happened by then. During, so, let, I'll just go through my crew. So, Yanlo, Soul Porter, uh, Tukumainu, Manos, Yin, uh, Toshiro, and the Restless Spirit. And something that happened on turn one was that uh, rather early on, Jedza decided to charge across the board and and nuke one of my doggies. So one of the the Kamainu just died. Oh well. It seems like a smart play on his part. It does. It does. But he didn't have very many stones. I think he only had three stones or something in total. So he didn't have much prevention for Jedsa. So I just started with charging Manos into Jedsa. Shooting Jedza with uh, Yan Lo, stuff like this, trying to whittle her down. I managed to get a hole in the world, trigger off with Yan Lo, so I placed her into base contact with one of the the hazardous markers. Oh and no! He, and he, here is one of the one of the good flips I made while he flipped bad. I obeyed Manus to charge Jedza and. He hit and flipped a red joker for damage, doing six damage to her. And then 
I won initiative on turn two, and and uh, Jensa died before making a second activation. Wow! Oh so, wow! Yeah, that's, that, that's your key to beating Jensa. People kill her. Yeah, just yeah. That. Wait, you know, th- this seems like Claus's strategy in general is just kill the other people. We actually had a discussion with Yonni before going to this tournament because both of us have lots of masters and lots of models that we haven't played against. And our, our theory was, if you kill an enemy model, you don't have to worry about its rules. <laughs> that is true. That is a very true statement. Now, there's a couple of things that I picked up on when you were going through these. Uh, the first one was that you removed Anna uh, to put in Yin, which I found kind of interesting because uh, of how much Jedza targets her own people to move them around uh, with Jedza 2 so that she can get... Uh, basically the things that count as terrain moved around. Uh, so I found that kind of interesting. I uh, said I haven't played versus Jedza before, so I didn't actually know what to expect. I, just, I had read the cards, but I've never seen a, seen a Jedza game or played a Jedza game. So I wasn't sure. I, so I wanted to go back on like things I was more certain of. Because I know really Yin right. is very good for taking symbols, uh, and Manus is good for everything. And uh, Toshiro is good for preventing people from taking symbols. So uh, th- there you go. That's the, the finish strategy for winning. If you don't know what it does, kill it. Ask yeah. questions later. Yes. Uh, but the other thing that I found really interesting is the Jedza player, uh, after hearing about the board, and I, I haven't seen the board. I don't know what it looks like. And uh, obviously people don't know lists. But considering how much hazardous terrain was scattered around, like that's one of those things where I probably would have audibled into Jedza 1. Number one, it... You, there's no killing Jedza one. She just sticks around. And number two, all that hazardous terrain that's uh, assuming it's probably impassable as well. You'd be pulsing out damage like all over the place uh, with those things. Uh, so, and the crew is generally immune to the hazardous uh, terrain for it. So that, I thought that was an interesting that he continued to go into that game with Jedza two. Uh, I, I think he was practicing Jedza two because uh, he's apparently also on his way to uh, Six Nations. So, so what, might... sir? What brief aside? What is the Six Nations event? It's apparently this Europe, uh, really large, pan-European tournament in England. Oh, cool! I'm going to venture guess here and say that there are six countries that go to it. <laughs> you, you'd think that, but I'm not. I'm not one hundred percent sure. I, I just know that the Nordic team is Sweden and Denmark. They tried to get me to join, but. It's just not a good time at when it happens. Otherwise, I would have loved to go. And uh, and if this is not true, and there are more or less than six countries going to this, uh, this is false advertising, and I'm going to boycott the event. Uh, I see. I see. <laughs> anyway, continuing <laughs> the game. <laughs> Other weird stuff happened on that turn that I killed Jedsa, because I also killed the Damned. I, the damned came forward and nabbed a symbol. I had Toshiro charge him. Uh, Toshiro had a focus at this point, so he used focus and smacked him and hit him for severe five. Because my opponent flipped a black joker. Then I smacked him again. I think I hit, hit him, but on negatives. And I flipped the second red joker for damage, killing the damned. Well, damn. 
Oh, come on. My dad jokes are the greatest, guys. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Jeff, the, also, the answer... Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, also, like, Jensa had, uh, on turn one, thrown in a more Wraith on, onto my side of the board, which he didn't realize was within two inches of two of my scheme markers, so... I got detonate charges for free for there, from there too. And the game just basically spiraled after that. I actually read Joker damage on turn three as well, but that was that versus the Moor Wraith that had one wound left. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the the flips were really against really against my opponent in that in that match. I I, I probably would not have won if not for like really awesome flips. There. And uh, this but was I, the Danish player that came in third. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, yeah, Eric. Yeah, he he. I had never fa- faced Orson and Wells before, and that was a pretty awesome model. I feel. Yeah. Also, Ostera and Twiggy. That one was pretty good. And then Oster he also is, is great. Then he also had. Uh, What's he? What's he called? The cele- uh, uh, the celebrity guy. Oh, um, Winston. Uh, Winston, Winston. Winston. Yes. Yeah. He had Winston too, and oh, he had a, a pretty good. He had a Jedza All Stars list. Uh, yeah. Got the and scheme runners, the and he had the damned with him. So the the damned Winston Finnegan, uh, uh, Orson and Wells, uh, yeah. Mikhail. And I, I had more fun with uh, actually with Yin, because he, he Yin and Mikhail ended up fighting, and Yin has the built-in uh, trigger to push push the model, so I got to push Mikhail into some hazardous as well, <laughs> and that helped well, me score. Let them bleed. And you said the final score was for for this was. I think it was eight. To th- five or something like that. I, I have to check. I have to hey, check. Five, five points when almost all your crew dies in turn two. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's a really yeah. good showing for losing your master at top of two. Oh yeah, he he, he played really well. He played really well. Like he got uh, two of my two of my symbols. Then he got one from Vendetta. And I can't remember where where the rest were from, but he he had Ostera and Twiggy doing Vendetta on Manus, I think. Well, and that's I mean that's a good reminder, everyone listeners, that even if something goes wrong for you early in the game, like you can still score a ton of points in Alpha. So it's like it's easy to get tilted or be like, oh no, oops, I lost my master, or like I'm done. But like. Like scoring five, that's that's amazing. That's really good. Um, so it is definitely possible to have perseverance in the yes. face of adversity. And my opinion it, is it, that you should never rage quit unless your rage is harming, actively harming your opponent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't beat my opponent if I'm not beating my opponent. Yeah. The I, I will say you... the one exception to that would be practice games. If you like, totally flub turn one in a practice game 
like sometimes the best thing is be like, all right, I like I'm obviously going to lose. We should re-rack and just restart turn one, uh, like to get more actual practice. Oh um, yes, re-racking is a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like oh whoops, this I did a dumb thing and like I'm clearly going to lose because I like screwed up my unpack or you know you put your master forward and got totally nuked out of nowhere like. So, but uh, yeah, that's kudos to uh, to your opponent on that. Oh, yeah. um, and th- there was something that uh, that uh, Kloss had touched on uh, earlier. I think it was in day one. But uh, I've noticed that a lot of the really good players that uh, come out in the top in tournaments afterwards, they talk to their opponent and uh, like discuss things. And I've noticed that a lot of the players that and they're in the bottom of the tournament, they don't do these things. Like they don't try to learn like, Hey, like what is a better way of doing this? Well, like, uh, and that's always a good thing. Like talking, if you have time, sometimes tournaments don't allow it. Uh, like you don't have the time afterwards, but if you have the time, talk with your opponent, talk about the things that happened during the game. And, uh, you know, things that like, uh, sometimes your opponent, your opponent will point out something that you had no clue about. And you're like, Oh, I need to remember that for next time. So it's always a good idea to, to talk with your opponents, figure out, uh, how things went, uh, what he or she were, were, was thinking in the game of like, if you were so close to this and then you didn't do it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Like, things like that like and you're like oh if i would i should have done that and like it helps to grow as a player indeed indeed talk talking about games is important if you want to learn new things learn why you're you got nuked off the board on turn 1 on okay it might be that your opponent just flipped red jokers but why didn't you take that into account he might only have had a little bit of a deck left for example um, or, or even just asking, like, if you notice your opponent doing something that you didn't expect, ask, like, why they did that. Um, I think one of the things that folks often underestimate is you don't think about your own actions from your opponent's perspective. And they, like, you might not realize that something you did threatened some plan that they had that you weren't really thinking about, but you're like, Oh, like I, my guy does this. And they're like, yeah, this model over here will just like die if you breathe on him with that model. Or, you know, there's like interactions like that that you can often miss when you're not looking at your own play from your opponent's perspective. So it can be really interesting to understand like why they took actions that maybe you didn't expect or they reacted to your plays in ways that you didn't expect because you can learn more about your own play that way. Um, and what to look out for in the future. Yeah, I was playing against uh, the infamous uh, Kyle Bode from Bodie, whatever, from Schemes and Stones uh, in the most recent tournament that I went to. And uh, he did something that was a little weird. He had Jedza, uh, or he had, uh, sorry, um, Zoraida 2 uh, with Dreamer. And the very, he got first turn, he activated uh, Zoraida and he summoned something and did some stuff. And then he, used an ability to make uh my nexus go like it forced nexus to go next and i was like i did and i you know made webs and things like that and i was like why why did you just do that like that that doesn't make sense to me and he was like honestly because i i forgot which one i was supposed to do it to he meant to make uh oh what's her name but that uh actually grows the 
Meredith Stanley. Meredith Stanley. Yeah, he meant to get Meredith Stanley go, but he forgot which one actually grows the things, and he did it out of order. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But at the time, I was like really puzzled, like why did you just do that? And but it made sense afterwards. So it's those type of things, and you know, it was a learning thing for me. I got to find out why he was doing it, but also for him, it's like oh, that that was a dumb moment on my part. So things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Also, I have to say that one. That one of the pretty funny things was that that Yoni was second, and we were both the only three zeros after round th- three of day two, and uh, I only beat him out on diff because uh, my first two opponents I, I had beaten uh, pretty thoroughly my first two opponents, so I w- yeah. was I think seven seven points ahead in diff going into round three. And the funny thing is that at the dinner we had uh, with all the players after day one, we had joked that yeah, that tomorrow uh, that uh, day two was Yonni's turn to win. Ah, <laughs> uh, so close! <laughs> yeah, he stole it from you, Yonni. Nah, this usually <laughs> happens. <laughs> he just—he sounds so defeated about it. He's like, it happens. The stupid cry too. <laughs> Cloth in general. <laughs> Just me. Just me. Nice. Well, it sounds uh, like you guys had a, a fun time, and uh, it sounded like it was a lot of uh, traveling involved, but I'm glad that the traveling wasn't in vain, and uh, you guys pulled out some uh, uh, Finnish fina- uh, finales there. <laughs> you, oh, yes. you finished well? You finished at the top of the heap? <laughs> no? No, too much? No. <laughs> no, no, that, 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 that's, that's too much... Uh, uh, if, if you continue, you're going to be finished. <laughs> yeah, Owen, your jokes are dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, any also, any final wrap-ups or things that you all want to plug? Or One thing that we forgot to say at the, at the start was this was a single Masters event. There were no oh. dual Masters, which might be an important thing to say at, at some point, at least now at the end. <laughs> Yeah, yep. uh, and that it is rare around here that uh, tournaments allow double masters. I've only seen one tournament that actually allowed it, and for some strange reason, everybody brought double masters. It didn't <laughs> create a significant advantage over those that brought single masters. So, uh, but uh, there are in- definitely interesting combinations that people could pull off with it. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I haven't played that much with dual masters, but I've run a couple of games with. Uh, Tara as a leader, and I've brought in Parker to for free interacts, basically. Yeah, yeah. And damage from range, which Tara pretty much lacks all completely. Yeah, I think Parker, both Parker 1 and 2 are fairly decent second master picks to help yeah, things. At, at least 1, because he doesn't really need anything from your crew. Yeah. He just is there and shoots stuff. Makes your other other things interact if needed. All right. Well, uh, assuming no other things, I want to thank our guests, both Klaus and Yoni, and uh, say to our listeners, uh, you should see uh, some movement on our uh, US Photor site soon. 
uh, standings are hopefully going to be posted uh, in the near future. But for now, you can uh, submit your tournament results uh, on our webpage. That's uh, www.usvotor.com. Uh, anything you want to throw out there, Owen? Uh, nope. We'll... Oh, and get your Nova Open tickets. The event is almost sold out. Oh, yes. So uh, you might want to go jump in on that. Uh, I might have to have to talk with Owen about expanding it if this keeps growing, because we, I think last I checked, we had like five tickets left. Uh, yeah, so oh. we we rebalanced the events in late May, early June. So if you want to see the Malfa event grow, uh, get your tickets. And and our new friend Klaus is a world traveler, so you never know. He may pop up out of nowhere. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, I do, but <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, um, thank you both, and uh, we will we'll have to play Vassal sometime. Sure. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time. <laughs>